This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 737. A lot of the things around money for me is about the relationship you have with yourself, the way you feel, if you're worthy and deserving of it, and also if you have the mindset to take on the pressure and weight and responsibility of money. And that's where I feel like the greatness mindset plays in perfectly with money, investing, and millions of dollars. What's up, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, here today with a special episode for you. Rob and I are going to be interviewing Lewis Howes. Many of you know him from the School of Greatness. Lewis is a very successful uh, sort of like online personality. He interviews some of the smartest, most successful people in the world, gleans what they are doing well, and then shares it with his audience. And we have him on today to share a lot of the lessons that he's learned about what other people have done to become great, as well as himself and how that would apply to our real estate journey, as well as some of the personal elements of his own story where he went from rags to riches in a very cool way. Rob, for someone listening who's new to real estate investing, hasn't bought their first property, maybe they're still living with roommates and just trying to make ends meet. What are you excited for them to get out of today's episode? This was a really particularly good episode because I think he sort of broke down this idea of success, like we're all searching for success, and he immediately nixes that. And he's like, that's not what you need. What you need is greatness. And I don't want to spoil it, but it was something that really resonated with me because I think he really got into this idea of elevating everybody around you. And that, to me, is what can make your real estate career great, is if you have other people that are right alongside of you crushing it, it's a lot more fun of a journey that way, I'd say. Yeah. And for experienced investors, one of the things he mentioned, because he just wrote a book that's coming out, he talks about the three steps to to becoming great was you got to find a problem to solve. That was part of his second step. And I think we can get bored once you've got a little bit of success, you got a little bit more money, you get comfortable. You get out of the position that you were at where you felt like, I want to move from A to B. You're at B and then you just kind of stop. And there's always this feeling like, I know there's more to life. I know that there's more to me. I could do more. But you don't have the motivation to keep going. We talk about that in the show, how sometimes pain and like bad can lead to blessings. Sometimes you need that. Well, if you can focus on the problem that you're trying to solve, you can stay motivated, you can end up earning more money in the future, and your business will continue to progress as long as you keep the attention on that and not just the balance sheet where the money is coming from. And on that note, today's quick tip is find your greatness. What are you great at? If you can find what you're great at, you won't feel like you're working, you won't mind the energy that you're spending as you go about your day, as you take on new challenges, and as you take the shots that everybody takes where this is a fight and you're going to get hit in the face. And if you don't really want to be in that fight, you're going to find an excuse to to stay knocked out versus getting back up and keep it going. So when you can find your area of greatness, you can find the will to stay in the fight. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Save's 60-day money-back guarantee. 
Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com vp. Connectinvest.com vp. All right, please allow me to welcome today's guest. We have Lewis Howes. Lewis is a podcast host, a New York Times bestselling author, a speaker, a pro athlete, all-around awesome dude, and you can check out the first time we interviewed him on Bigger Pockets podcast episode 405. Lewis just wrote a book on greatness, a topic that is near and dear to his heart that will be dropping on March 7th, and we're going to be getting into that. Lewis, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets podcast. David Rob, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for that. Now, usually on this show, we bring in real estate experts to help break down the real-life ways people have found success in the industry. It's almost always someone who's done well with real estate investing, helps real estate investors, Today's show is a little different. Lewis has interviewed, I don't know how many people, I'm sure hundreds at this point, and that have successful people and pulled out of them what made them successful. And he's here today to basically share the collective wisdom of all these different people, a bit of a hive mind is at this point, Lewis has like absorbed, like I'm like Ultron in, uh, in the Marvel universe, except not a villain. He's got all the information of the collective world that he's going to share it with our guests today so that hopefully more of us can be more successful. Lewis, welcome to the show. I'm excited. And, you know, as I was thinking about this and preparing for this, you know, bigger pockets is the thing that I wanted a lot when I was broke. Uh, I was broke on my sister's couch and I wanted more money. I wanted to have bigger pockets to fill it up all the money in the world that I could get my hands on. And I remember a mentor of mine early on, I was on my sister's couch making no money, working for a mentor for free for about six months, learning, developing, um, and I, and he, and I said, Hey, I'll work for you for free for six months. If you let me interview you once a week during lunchtime, like we'll go take a walk and I'll just be able to ask you whatever I want. That was kind of my payment that I got my spiritual payment. Right. And after months of this, I remember saying to him, 
he ended up actually paying me a little bit to work, but eventually, uh, in the beginning it was to do it for free. But after many months of this, I said to him, man, I could really use some money. Like I got to figure out how to make money. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, I'm sleeping on my sister's couch trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. How am I going to generate this money? How can I overcome the, the fears that I have? How can I develop skills that bring in more money? Whatever it is, I have no clue. And he told me something I've remembered since this day. He said, money comes to you when you're ready for it. And I remember saying at this time, I'm pretty broke. I'm ready to make some money. Like, I'm, I feel ready for the money. Like, where is it though? I feel ready. And this is something that Rob was just saying off camera about, you know, so a lot of people don't believe they are able to be a millionaire. They don't believe they're able to generate six figures or whatever it was. For me, I didn't, I didn't feel, I felt like I was ready but I truly wasn't ready. There was something missing inside of me. There was a mindset that was missing inside of me to be prepared for the money that was coming in, the money that I wanted, and the responsibility and the weight that money would have, right? If I wasn't prepared for it, it wouldn't come to me. And I remember saying, it didn't make sense to me when he said this, because I was like, well, I feel ready. I am ready because I'm broke. So what do you mean? And over the next year and a half, it probably took about a year and a half until I started to generate more money. And at the time, maybe, I don't know, three to $5,000 a month. And then eventually it started to come in quicker, you know, in the business that I was building, it started to multiply 20,000 a month, 30,000, $50,000 months in sales for the business. And I remember thinking back to when he first told me money comes to you and you're ready for it. I was like, oh, two years ago, if this was coming in right now, I wouldn't have been mentally ready, prepared to deal with the weight, the pressure, the responsibility, the taxes, the all the things that I don't know about money. So I want to acknowledge you guys for being a, a sounding board, uh, an investment platform of education, wisdom, and knowledge to prepare people to receive more money because it only comes to us when we're ready for it. And you guys know there's lots of examples of people who just get handed money that aren't prepared for it and they lose it all. They go bankrupt. They go whatever. You hear the stat from NFL players, you know, 78% after four years of retirement go bankrupt. They weren't ready for the money. You hear about lottery winners. They make all this money and then they go bankrupt or they commit suicide or something bad happens. They go depressed. They weren't ready for it. Very fewly, uh, very, uh, not that often do people who get a lot of money quickly know how to manage it and nurture their money and appreciate their money and invest it wisely. And so I wanted to start with that, that a lot of the things around money for me is about the relationship you have with yourself, the way you feel, if you're worthy and deserving of it. And also if you have the mindset to take on the pressure and weight and responsibility of money. And that's where I feel like the greatness mindset plays in perfectly with money, investing, and millions of dollars. God, that is so good. And to be frank, it doesn't get spoken about very often. You get a lot more YouTube clicks if you say, this is the secret no one will tell you about how to make a million dollars in two yes. weeks. Everybody wants to click on that. And it doesn't work that way, like you just said. You throw 500 pounds on the bar when you're trying to bench and it's your second day in the gym, it's just going to crush your rib cage. Yes. You're not getting anything done. And money is a heavy weight, prosperity in general is much, much more difficult to manage. That was an awesome opening. I love that. Before we get deeper into your story, I'm going to give the audience a chance to get to know you 
as well as I have a little bit here playing a fun game called Factor Fiction. So in this game, Rob and I will take turns asking you questions. We will have to guess if we think it's fact or fiction. And then after we've guessed, you'll let us know if we're right. All right. First question or first statement. Lewis, you will be commenting on ESPN for March Madness this year. Rob, what say you? I'm going to go yes, because Lewis is a pro athlete. And uh, considering the, the realm of possibilities and all the crazy things he's achieved, I think that's a very doable thing. So I'm going fact. All right. I have a bit of an advantage here because I interviewed Lewis once before and then researched stuff about him because I thought this is a really cool guy. Is he pulling the wool over my eyes? Because it can happen. Sometimes charismatic <laughs> people are complete psychos. <laughs> so I did true. a lot of research on Lewis and I'm I'm happy to report <laughs> I do not believe he's a psycho at all. I think he's very genuine. I like him a lot. But in my research, even though he's a pro athlete, I did not see anything that was related to basketball. In fact, he played sports and was very good at them that did not use the same type of skill set that basketball requires. So I'm going to go with no only because it's March Madness. Lewis, what's the truth? Well, here's the funny thing. Uh, There's nothing planned right now, but we've actually been pitching to ESPN to have me be a mindset uh, teacher during March Madness because that's when my book, The Greatest Mindset, comes out. So there there was some talks about it. So you guys were you know, you're both kind of right, but there's right now, there's nothing yet. You know, I think even though you say in that, I'm going to give it to Rob. Yes. Because like, what are the odds that anyone that we know is even getting close to pitching ESPN to come <laughs> be an analyst? Like, <laughs> like that's so far behind, ahead of everybody else that I'm going to say, like, you're basically, you're basically in there, even if it doesn't happen. All right. Uh, hold on really fast. Lewis, I think we should on air create the hashtag March mindset. Ooh, mm-hmm. let's go. It's pretty good. That's how you know that this is a professional YouTuber because they can't stop <laughs> thinking that way. It's like if you're friends with Eminem, he probably doesn't go to the diner and just order food like everyone else, right? He's like, I'll have the eggs and bacon, make sure and I'm nice spaghetti. and awake. And yeah, like everything has to rhyme just <laughs> as he's talking. Like Rob's like that. Brandon Turner was like that. They can't stop thinking in terms of algorithm. Their brain just wired that way. March mindset. All right. <laughs> Next statement. Lewis, you are on USA's national handball team. All right, Rob, what do you think? Oh, man. Oh, I don't. You're definitely going to get the point. I th- I think I'm going to go uh, fact. I'm going to go fact. A lot, of, a lot of conviction in that. It's true because I, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. You've mastered the art of making a statement but throwing a question mark on the end of it. <laughs> I am Ron Burgundy. Yeah, that's it, the Ron <laughs> Burgundy thing. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with true on this one. Yeah, it's truth. Truth, eight years with the USA national team. I haven't played in the last couple of years, but I've played with the USA national team, represented uh, uh, America, and pl- played all over the world against other Olympic teams on my pursuit of going to the Olympics, but we never qualified. Yeah, and you recently posted a picture of like your, your handball photo, right, on your social media? Yep. Yeah, it was kind of like how every kid in high school, like they get down on one knee and they get that mean look on their face, you know, like they always <laughs> exactly. want to look the tough dude, but you're like <laughs> actually kind of... Yes, you're like smiling a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And there's no pads on. It was it was very different. It was like it was like the version that they would take to send to grandma. Exactly. Then they then they keep the mean version. Did you play high school football too? Yeah, I bet you play high school, college, arena football. Yeah. All right. Next question. Now, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but you're actually friends with Brandon Turner as well, the former co-host of this podcast. Yep. Also known as the bearded one. When in Hawaii, hanging out with the bearded one, you were knocked off your surfboard and avoided being bitten by a shark while surfing with Brandon Turner. 
Hmm. I, I, uh, fact. Fact. <laughs> fact? <laughs> Wasn't there a thing in school when you have a true or false test where you would write the T but then put a little thing on it also? Like, <laughs> that's to make totally the T- me right now. That's the true false. <laughs> you try to put both in the same letter. <laughs> well, it's just so outlandish that it's like, this is a very specific fiction. So I'm going to just go fact. With the question mark. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with fiction here because it's so outlandish. It it tempts you to think this is this could very well be true, and what a cool story that would be. But I'm pretty sure if that had happened, Brandon would have shared this with me. And if this ends up being true, that just is a reflection of the deterioration of my friendship with Brandon. So he's not riding on this, Lewis. <laughs> it is fiction. That did not happen. Nice. Okay. There we go. The first one Rob's gotten wrong. All right. And we, this last one we know is a fact because we teased it a little bit in the beginning. At one point, you lived on a couch and had $7 to your name, a handsome devil like you full of confidence. That would have been hard to believe, but you've already admitted that that's the truth. So we know if someone like you that was at one point a professional athlete was on the Olympic team playing against other countries, Beth athletes could still be at one point having $7 to your name sleeping on a couch. There's hope for anybody out there to do the same well in a, se- in a sense that's fiction because i didn't have any money i was living off three credit cards and i had student oh, wow. loan debt so i had no cash yet opm yet other people's money i had other people's money that i had to pay off yeah that was <laughs> it was not the kind that you invest in real estate with but the kind <laughs> that you're just trying to feed yourself yeah so you you had seven dollars of change in the couch cushion somewhere somewhere you would have maybe to dive i in. did yeah but you it was claimed like, it as yours but i didn't but i didn't own it because i had to pay it off so yeah that's right that's true. There's a lot of people with negative net worth, so we don't talk about that. But just because mm-hmm. there's broke and then there's worse than broke. There's owing yeah. people money broke, which is I mean, a lot of Americans are in that situation. And I think as the economy sort of gets worse, but people spending have to stay the same, you're getting more and more people that are going to fall into that same category. So even though not everyone has gone through the same experience, not everybody has been sleeping on somebody else's couch, uh, it did happen, right? So how did you end up there and what was your mindset in the, you've mentioned I didn't want to be broke anymore yes. but were you struggling with personal demons at the time that kept you from finding your way were you just not sure what direction to take and you were sort of in a holding pattern until you figured out what was going on in your head I think I think I've been struggling with personal demons up until the last couple of years if I'm being honest and it's been a journey of overcoming the challenges the insecurities the doubt that has held me back in different areas of life uh, at that time, I was afraid of making money because I didn't understand money. I didn't know how to make it. I was playing arena football right before that. So I got injured. I broke my wrist um, and I had a surgery and then I had to wear a cast for six months. So from top of my shoulder to my fingers, I was in a cast in a 90 degree angle. And that caused me to not be able to work. This was in 2000, August of 2007, I had the surgery. So this went till March 2008 in the cast. Then for the next year, I was recovering with the wrist uh, with mobility and strength. During that time, as you guys know, the housing market went through, I guess, the biggest crash of all time. I don't know. I mean, one of the biggest. And and just the economy was crashing. So there wasn't really jobs for average arena football players who were injured who didn't have a college degree. They weren't giving jobs to people with masters at that time. I remember people struggling saying, I've got a masters, I can't get a job. And I was like, there's no hope for me then. So this is 2008 going into 2009. I started to reach out to mentors uh, and ask them about what to do. Uh, I had no clue. And I looked at my life as a sport. You know, I, I got to 
a level of success in athletics through having great coaches. I don't understand money, making money, getting a job, starting a business, being an entrepreneur, any of this. Why do I think I could do this on my own without mentors, coaches, or wisdom? So I started reaching out to them and um, I was afraid of money in the beginning. I didn't know why anyone would hand me a dollar, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars. I didn't understand what value I could bring because I was very insecure. This goes back to mindset. I felt a lot of fear and doubt. And I'm a big believer that self-doubt is the killer of all dreams and what holds us back from having the courage to act, whether that's getting the career we want, making the right investment choices, getting in shape, whatever it is, it holds us back. Uh, but I seeked mentorship early on and I really just said, whatever you tell me to do, I will do it 100% to the best of my abilities. I will try to overcome these fears. I will develop new skills, whatever it is you tell me. And that's what I did for a couple of years. One of them told me, why don't you check out LinkedIn? Maybe you can get a job there. This is when LinkedIn had, I think, around 12 million people on the platform. Early days, 2008, uh, social media. And I started using that at wisdom and advice. And I went all in on LinkedIn for about six hours a day, literally during that time on my sister's couch, just trying to figure out what is this platform? How do I optimize my profile? How do I connect with influencers, leaders, CEOs, people that know more than me? And I ended up building a pretty large network of communities through LinkedIn and eventually started hosting networking events. Again, all these people were messaging me as I started to connect with them saying, I don't have a job, or it's really hard to hire the right people right now, or I'm struggling getting business and leads. So I found a problem where I said, well, let me try to connect people through LinkedIn. Then I started to connect people in person in real events. And I did this for free for a first few events until I realized, oh, maybe I could charge at the door $5 because people are getting value. I started charging $5, then $10, then $20. Then I started doing sponsorships. Then I then I wrote a book about LinkedIn. Then I started doing LinkedIn consulting. I just said, how can I maximize the one thing I'm using to add value to people and figure out how to charge for it? That was kind of the messy figuring it out phase until things started to click after a couple of years. And when I really learned about online marketing, creating courses, webinars, um, and selling online, that was kind of that original journey. Sure. So you you broke your your arm. Uh, you're kind of in this new world where you're trying to figure out what life is like outside of being an athlete. How can you work? How can you make money? And you're reaching out to mentors. I'm curious, were there any low points in that journey? Or do you feel like as soon as you started working with mentors and grinding, you kind of were like off to the races? I mean, I was already at the lowest point in my mind because my identity was shattered. I, all I thought I was going to do was be a professional athlete and eventually make it to the NFL. That didn't happen. So during this year and a half, two years, um, I was sad. I was really sad. I also was I turned 24 around that time. And I was thinking, I am a sad grown man. You know, I'm a 24 year old. I can't, I don't have my own apartment. I can't afford my own food. I can't pay off my debts. Uh, I am, I don't feel proud about who I am. So the whole thing was kind of like sad, but I knew I wanted to overcome it. And so I had the hunger, the desire, the passion to at least take action and, and mess up. And I knew that it couldn't really get any worse for me. I was already at three credit cards. I already had student loans I needed to pay off. I had no money. I was on my sister's couch. I was as humiliated as I could potentially be. So I 
all I knew was all I could go is, is up from here. And one of the most humiliating points, here's a low point for you. I started to go to Toastmasters, which is a public speaking class, because I was terrified to speak in front of a group of five people. I went to a number of Toastmasters groups to see which one was the scariest to join. And one of these had, this is when I had my cast on. So imagine going to this professional setting as a 23-year-old bum with a, a, a shirtless sleeve because it wouldn't fit over the cast. It was so big. So a cutoff sleeve. Everyone's wearing suits and I'm wearing baggy jeans and a cutoff t-shirt with a backwards cap. Walking in there in my early 20s, everyone's in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s, suits, professionals, and pro speakers. I walk into this one Toastmasters club and there was some like cheese and crackers and bread and like whatever, hummus in the back of the room for people afterwards. No joke. After the meeting, I'm thinking to myself, I don't have money to buy food. I start stacking and stuffing in, in um, tissue paper and napkins, all the bread and all like the, the vegetables that were back there and shoving them in my deep pockets. I had bigger pockets than with my pants. They were big baggy <laughs> pants. I was stuffing this food in there with one hand and my, my wrist like broken, like shoving it in there. And this guy comes up to me, one of the speakers uh, of that day's session, he comes up to me, he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and I go, uh, I don't have enough money for food. This, so this is probably a low point. I didn't have enough money to actually go buy food. And I'm stuffing this for the food later in the day. And he goes, let me just take you to lunch right now. He took me to lunch. And I think he just saw something in me. Here's a kid who's kind of broken, literally in a cast, like shoving food in his pockets. Um, let me take him to lunch right now. And he was like, it's amazing that you're actually showing up here. You're wanting to improve. You're wanting to overcome this, even in spite of all these things that are happening. And he became one of my mentors. He taught me public speaking. I wrote my first book with him because he had written many books. So he guided and mentored me as because he saw that I was willing to take extreme action. And I think a lot of people who are afraid to invest or make a million dollars or uh, increase their, their income, they're afraid to take the actions necessary in order to generate new skills, overcome fears or insecurities that hold them back, uh, and figure out ways to add more value to people. Because usually they're afraid of rejection, they're afraid of the no, they're afraid of looking bad, and whatever it might be. That's why for me, Everything around money comes back to mindset. It comes back to, if you want to earn more money, you got to increase the, the, the quality of your mindset. If you want to invest wisely and learn to understand that you're going to lose money on certain investments sometimes too, you've got to be willing to develop a stronger mindset. And so that's why um, it's been a powerful journey of all these different stages since that moment. That's so, I mean, first off that you're willing to admit that a very successful person like you walked into a Toastmasters. Just hearing that part right away, I'm like, oh, I'd have to be at rock bottom. I had to go to a Toastmasters thing for uh, for college. It was like a, a speaking class and they forced us to go to one. I, like my kryptonite is having to go to events where I don't know people. Yeah. I'm incredibly introverted. You don't think so because people only experience me in an area where I'm confident, right? Playing a sport on a podcast where I get to talk. So much easier. If I have to go to a place like a party where I don't know anybody, oh, my skin is crawling. I just want to like hide, turn myself inside out and hide. I can't stand it. 
And Toastmasters is not only that, but now you got to talk in front of all these people. It's terrible. Right. So you you go into that environment that I would have hated. I'm guessing you probably aren't the, the guy who just walks in the room and be like, hey, you're not Frank no. the Tank either, right? I was I was just terrified. And I was also just like, I don't have the skills that all these people have. I don't dress like them. I'm not old, as old as them. I'm just like this young punk trying to figure out how to overcome my fear. So it was terrifying. You're like the fat kid at a CrossFit gym walking out on the first day. It's the worst feeling ever. You're looking at all these people <laughs> that are way better off than you are. And now you're also so poor that you're taking food from the thing and you're grateful that there's food, but you're humiliated that someone sees you doing it like that. Yes. If that, that's fighting spirit is all you can really call that. Like you don't know where you're going. You're at rock bottom, but you're not willing to just give up. You're not going to say I, I quit. I'm just going to slip into depression, slip into drugs, slip into just being a loser. Cause it's being the world's tempting me with that every day. What is the point of trying here? And you're, you're, you're so humble that you're willing to put yourself in that position. I think that is, when we talk about mindset, that spirit that you had, that it, I will humiliate myself, I will cut the shirt off my, my the sleeve off my shirt, I will go to this place, I will be embarrassed, I don't care, I have to get better, is absolutely the first steps to getting out of the place we're at. And for the people who are in a job that's comfortable, but they don't love it, and they want to be an entrepreneur, that's the attitude you got to have. When you're like, I don't care what I have to do. I will do anything to get out of the position I'm in. Yeah. You're starting on that journey. And I think, you know, we're going to get into a deeper price. I'm going to throw it over to Rob here in a minute. But if you're trying to start the journey without thinking that way, it's like you're half committed. You can't like sign up for CrossFit unless you're completely committed to something you want to do. And here's the thing. Um, it's really hard to strive for more when things are good. When things are good, I was having a conversation yesterday with a guy who came and um, was having a meeting with me and they were recording some content for me. Um, he's in his late 20s. He had a successful business that he started when he was 21, pretty young, a coffee shop in his local town. Um, made some good money. He's got three kids, beautiful wife. Life is really good. But he's been for two years wanting to take the leap to do something, but he's been afraid because life is good. But he knows it's not exactly what he wants. It's like, there's yeah. something calling me, but- But, but man, I got something good. to lose. Exactly, something to lose. When you have nothing to lose, when it's really, really bad, when it's bad, it's not bad enough. It's when you really go through an extreme breakdown, uh, an extreme breakup, you go through an extreme like- uh, you know, near death experience or you lose uh, your your career or you go through a divorce or something like that, that's when you can start to reflect and say, okay, it can't really get worse than this, or I don't want it to get any worse. And that's when a lot of people start to act. When it's bad, at least we're familiar with it and we're not willing to break through. It needs to be really, really bad uh, in order for us a lot of times to break through some people have the courage to recognize life is really good, but it's not exactly what I want. Let me start doing all into my fears and my insecurities and overcoming these things. It's rare when that happens, but it's inspiring when people will not accept goodness and they go for greatness. That's really great. And I think it's really cool to just hear your your turning point here because you you did the Toastmasters thing. Someone reached out to you and they're like, let's go to lunch. And they showed kindness to you and they mentor you. It's always really cool how one person who's sort of unlocked their own version of impossible and their own success, talking to them for a bit can do that for you too. Yes. So it seems like for you, taking action is what got you off the couch and in the game. And you've built this massively successful, influential business from there. Um, 
Do you think you could break down the step-by-step process of how you unlock that success? Because I, I have a feeling that a lot of people at home need to hear this. Yeah, well, let me first define the difference between success and greatness. Because I think people, I want to create context around this first. I was extremely, in my mind, I was extremely successful in sports, right? I was a two-sport all-state in high school. I was a two-sport All-American in college. I was a professional athlete. I played with the Olympic handball team. Like I felt like with the talents that I was given and then I nurtured and developed, I accomplished as far as I could in, in sports. And then I felt like I did you know, a similar transition in the business and I've accomplished a lot of success, quote-unquote, in business in my own way, right? Uh, New York Times bestseller, top podcast, you know, eight-figure business, yada, yada. But here's the thing. Success for me by itself is selfish. It's about me. It's about wanting to look good. It's about wanting to look right. It's about wanting to win so that I get celebrated and seen and feel good about me. That's what I did for a long time from sports to the business world. And it was never fulfilling. The more I would accomplish, the more money I would make, the more I would, you know, be New York Times bestseller, all this stuff. It still didn't feel enough. It didn't feel satisfying, fulfilling, and enough. And I said, well, maybe I need to accomplish more. I need to succeed more. And it still didn't feel enough. And so that's why this whole journey started 10 years ago when I started my show, School of Greatness. I said, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm accomplishing success and it's not working. So let me figure out what greatness is. And to me, greatness is pursuing the goals and dreams that you still want to accomplish for you, but making sure you're in service to those around you in that pursuit, lifting others up, inspiring others around you, helping others, empowering them, and celebrating others as well. And that's why it's been a journey for me, because the worst thing that you can do is win at the wrong things. The worst thing you can do is be successful and still not love yourself in my mind. Sure, money can help you solve lots of problems, but it doesn't help you solve the problem of accepting, loving yourself and being a good human being. It might solve money problems, but not mindset problems and emotional problems. And that's why um, for me, I could tell you what I did to be successful, but it wasn't enough for me to accomplish these goals. And so that's why I want to talk about what I've reinvented for myself from studying all these great minds over the last 10 years, making a lot of the same mistakes over and over again, really until the last couple of years, in order to finding peace, acceptance, and fulfillment as I'm on the journey of constantly growing and building what I'm building. So greatness, again, is going after the things that are successful to you and empowering those and being in service to those around you as well. So I'll give you the steps based on that context. I don't believe, and and I, I don't know if you guys actually got a copy of the book, but I'll, I'll share a page for you on page 201 in The Greatest Mindset. There is a, there's a graphic that talks about the powerless mindset versus the greatness mindset. So if you want to have a step-by-step approach to achieving more success, making more money, and being greater in your life, this is the the context of understanding where this stems from. A powerless mindset. And so think about this in terms of how you're making money, how you're investing in your real estate and, and building your career and building your business. A powerless mindset 
lacks a meaningful mission. So if you don't in one sentence have a meaningful mission clear, it doesn't mean you can't live a good life, but it's just not stepping into your full greatness. So a powerless mindset lacks a meaningful mission, is controlled by fear, is crippled by self-doubt, conceals past pains, is defined by the opinions of others, and drifts towards complacency. For me, that is more of a powerless mindset way of thinking. Now, if we want to step into greatness financially or any area of our life, we are driven by a meaningful mission. So we're very clear in one sentence what that is, and I'll talk about that. That is our first step. They turn fear into confidence. So anything we're afraid of, we turn it into a superpower. For me, that was public speaking. I know, Dave, for you, that's that was something you struggle with also. But we say, this is the obstacle I'm going to overcome and actually make it a power. Something that made me feel powerless for so long is now something I get paid $150,000 to do in 60 minutes, right? But if I didn't turn that fear into confidence and overcome it, then I'd still be held back into a powerless mindset. Overcomes self-doubt, heals past pains, creates a healthy identity, and takes action with a game plan. So again, to give you context there, Rob, this is the first step is identifying which mindset am I currently living in. Are they anything from the powerless mindset that is holding me back? Or am I living more in the greatness mindset? So step one is identifying where I currently am in this place. Do I have any fears? Is there anything from my past that I'm still holding on to that I haven't mended or healed yet? Um, do I have a healthy identity with myself? Do I get angry, resentful, frustrated? Or am I loving, kind, and generous? So what is the identity that I have with myself? And this doesn't mean you're right or wrong, good or bad. Either way, I'm just speaking into the greatness that is possible within you, identifying it and leaning into it. So step one is that. Step two is getting clear on what season of life we're in. When I was on my sister's couch, Rob, I was in a season of sadness. I was in a season of transition. I was in a season of denial. I was in a season of who am I? Rediscovery. And I kind of was in that season for a while. I was trying a bunch of things. I was feeling the sadness. I was feeling bad for myself. And I was trying to discover what do I want to create next? That was the season. And all I could think of is my mission is to get off my sister's couch. Uh, how do I make enough money to get off the couch? I couldn't think beyond, I'm going to change the world or cure cancer. That wasn't a part of my makeup. It was just, how do I make money to get off the couch? And I think we have to recognize what season we're in because some people listening or watching right now, they may only be making a few thousand dollars a month. And it's probably hard to say, how do I become a millionaire right now? Really, we should be thinking about how do I get to six figures first? How do I get to eight grand a month? Because eight grand a month will help me break through the first emotional and mental money barrier. You guys know that six figures was probably the hardest thing to do first. For most people, six figures is the limit. It's the ceiling. And there's an emotional and mental breakthrough that must happen in order for us to get there. Then hitting six figures again is easier. Then the next hurdle is the million dollars, seven figure mark. And it seems really hard, but six figures was harder for me than it was to seven figures because I saw myself break through one barrier first and got me to there. So there's certain things we must get clear on is what do we want in this season? What is the mission for the season? And that mission can evolve over time. Mine is to serve and impact a hundred million lives weekly to help them improve the quality of their life. It's simple. It's clear. It's direct. It allows me to have uh, a clear game plan and guidelines for how I act accordingly 
in my days, what I do in my schedule, what I say yes and no to. It, it allows me to stay focused and not distracted and allows me to measure my results, right? So if we're thinking about money, just what is the clear mission you have around money in this season? I want to make my first six figures. Okay, well, you guys talk about this all the time. All right, that's 8K a month. Okay, how much is that weekly? That's 2K a week, roughly. Okay, that's, I don't know, 350, 500 bucks a day, whatever this is, I can't remember. All right, so how do I make 500 bucks a day? How do I get there? What are the steps then? What are the skills that I have? How can I generate more money? How do I package, position, and receive the value that I want to put out in the world? There's lots of strategies. You guys talk about these things. So David or Rob, why do you think most people are limited in the way that they think and feel about breaking through and either buying their first, their first investment deal, real estate investment deal, or getting their portfolio to a certain level of investment? What is the fear that holds people back from believing they can actually make it happen? Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high tech sensors that detect break ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. 
This information translates really well into where most, especially beginner real estate people are starting. There's a desire to want to have more, but then there's also a conflict that you don't really deserve it. So real estate is making money in this industry is so different than other things because you get used to this W-2 mentality. I put in X hours, I made X money. And we we measure our value by your dollar per hour. If I can make $20 an hour and I can get to 25, I'm now 25% better of a human being as far as the value I bring to the marketplace. And we get locked into this linear thinking, okay? Real estate investing is much more profitable than that, but it makes no sense on that logic. There is no, I put in these hours and I got this result. Sometimes you put in a whole bunch of hours and get nothing until you finally develop the skill set, and then boom, you make a whole bunch of money. Sometimes you don't realize that you even made money. Inflation just occurred and you look back and you're like, I gained $200,000 of equity and I did nothing, right? There's this separation, kind of like when you're in the matrix and you have to believe I'm in a simulation, this isn't real, and then you can fly or jump or move fast. Once you recognize that like the construct that your brain operates by was something you made is not how the world actually works, that money does not work the way that we first understood it when we were 16 years old and we babysat for four hours and made $100, <laughs> whatever it was that we were doing, uh, you do way better. You start to recognize patterns. You start to understand that owning assets, making sure that they cash flow, buying an area is more likely to see rents increase. And none of that has anything to do with logging in hours. So what we'll do is we'll try to teach new investors, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to analyze X amount of deals. What we're really trying to get you to do is see patterns. Houses in this neighborhood at this price range never cash flow or short-term rentals in this area do well, but they have to be this size or they have to look this way. It could be five hours. It could be 500 hours. You're not getting paid for the time. You're getting paid for the skill you build and really the pattern recognition. And then creativity comes into play. Can you look for creative ways to find someone that has that asset that's going to let you buy it from them with all the different strategies that we teach? But this idea of you got to be ready for it before it's going to come, like this is what stops people from succeeding in our world. I'm so deep into real estate investing. I don't look at money the same way that I did when I started. Like I don't look at money as a form of currency where I trade it for something. I look at it now like a storage of energy. Yes. I traded eight hours of my time at Foot Locker for $200 of a paycheck. The government took 50 bucks. I traded eight hours for $150, but dollars was just a storage of my eight hours of time and labor. Okay. If I put that $150 into a new pair of shoes, I basically traded eight hours of my life, my time, and my energy for a pair of shoes that lost value the minute I put them on and continue right. to lose value, right? If I put that $150 into a stock, it will slowly become worth more over a long period of time. If I put it into real estate and then I can leverage, I can borrow 80% of that 150 from a bank and I can take that 150 and turn that into say like $1,000, then that thousand's going to grow over time. I'm just putting energy in places where it grows or I'm putting energy in places where it bleeds. It's one of the two things. My mind never started to look at it that way until I got out of that linear thinking you're talking about. And I think everyone listening has some form of where they're living in the matrix in some way. The way they were taught money worked, the way that they they saw rich people and had ideas about them. Like there's only so many hours in a day you can work. There's only so many years in your yeah. life you can work. There there has to be a mindset change before the money's going to come. Well, also, Dale, I'm curious, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I got into buying a short-term rental or buying a place and doing the Airbnb thing, and it was so much time, so much energy, so much hassle, ended up losing money on it, 
restrictions came up and it whole and then they they give up they stop because they have a bad experience they lose money they realize this took me three months six months of my life away from making money and you know people said it was so easy but i'm learning that it's extremely difficult what would you say to someone who lost money you know five years of savings and said they went there they finally took action on their first thing it didn't work out should they give up or is it just a lesson of like, okay, now you have the information of what not to do for the next time? Yeah, Rob, that that's an area that you spend a lot of time in and you've taken a lot of those L's. What did you learn in that process? I always say that my mistakes make me millions. Um, and, and that really is true. I mean, a lot of people go into real estate. I mean, it isn't just short-term rentals, right? Um, I know a lot of people that will go into a flip and they lose money on that first flip. And they're ready to pack it in. And I'm always like, you have to keep pushing through that because imagine all the greats out there who wouldn't exist had they, you know, uh, had a big failure. Like Tony Hawk, right? One of the greatest skateboarders of all time, arguably the greatest skateboarder of all time. If he had fallen and broken whatever bone, which I'm sure he did many, many times, and he had said, you know what? I'm going to stop skateboarding. We wouldn't have the legendary Tony Hawk in part of that world, right? So real estate is very very similar to where you meet all of these people. I meet millionaires, mega millionaires, decamillionaires, billionaires, and all of them are that level of wealth because of the amount of failures and the amount of time they ate it in real estate. So did your your first deal, was it successful or did your first one, did you lose money? It was successful, but I made a lot of mistakes in the actual hosting and the art of hosting, right? right? So- And so here's the thing, Your, your first one made money and it wasn't like a, a failure, let's say, or a big loss. But a lot of people, they aren't as, you know, not lucky as you, but they don't have that type of success the first time. Yours came later where you lost some money or you had some L's or whatever, but at least you knew, oh, but I've done it before so I could do it again. When it's someone's first time and they go all in and they study you guys or someone else and read all the books and they say, I'm doing exactly what I'm told to do in what seems like the right location and what seems like the right style of real estate investing and it doesn't work out what would you guys say to those investors i'm sure you get that a lot those emails and those messages of like you know I, a lot of people who succeed right away but then some that don't well it comes down to your step number two in finding your meaningful mission if you get into real estate investing because you just want money and you think it's a science like if i put in this many cc's of this thing i'm going to get this result you're going to fail there has to be a passion. You has to have a power of yours behind it. And then you have to want to solve these problems. If you're going to get through that initial, you suck. Like, like <laughs> I, I, the, the example I always, I look for parallels in life where I feel like if it's a universal truth, it won't just apply to whatever we're talking about. It will apply in relationships. It will apply with fitness. It will apply in all these other areas. Okay. Your first time in the gym, when you haven't worked out, you're going to get zero strength that you're actually going to build. It is a useless workout if that's how you're tracking it. All you're doing is conditioning your muscles to get used to what you're doing. So if you go in there and you throw yourself, you go for broke, you just spend a week in bed and you can't move because you're so sore. You didn't get any stronger. What you do is you go in there and you know, I'm not going to have any success from this first workout. I'm just going to lightly hit every muscle so that I get it conditioned to working out. And then I want to be back in a day or two so I can go do it again and get that baseline built. That's how you want your mistakes to be in real estate. Uh, uh, you don't want to dump your whole nest egg in your first deal, cross your fingers and hope that this goes out. You know, how do I get in this thing with minimal risk? And I'm excited about the passion, the power, the problem to solve to learn about it. Because you got to get through that initial sore phase before you start making the gains with real estate. And that's what I love about what you're talking about. If you're chasing it for the money, if you're going to the gym that first time because you want to get ripped, 
it's going to be a useless workout. Yeah. It's it's like just wanting it for the six pack as opposed yeah. to, I want to live a healthy, abundant That's lifestyle. It. You know and what then, I mean? And then those things are byproducts of, I want yeah, to live a healthy exactly. lifestyle. You end up with a six pack. A lot of people, when they're getting into anything, you know, whether it's their career, investing money, relationship, getting clear on their meaningful mission is using those three P's you talked about, which is talked about in the book, uh, your passion, your power, and then the problem you want to solve. And some people, um, don't like real estate, but they get into it just because they say, oh, here's a way to make money. You're probably going to make a lot more mistakes mm-hmm. if you could care less about homes or about being of service to people and and providing a home for them or whatever it is that you care about. So if you're going about it just because you see it's an opportunity to make money alone by itself, you maybe could make a lot of money, but if you don't truly have a passion or curiosity or interest, you don't have a skill set, a power around being creative, like you said, finding deal opportunities, working with people, building relationships, you know, all these different pieces that come to real estate investing. And you don't care about solving the problem that's in front of you, whether it be rehabbing or, you know, building out the portfolio and supporting your family that way, then you're probably going to make a lot of mistakes and say, this real estate thing doesn't work. That's 100% right. If you're in a fight, like you're a boxer and you don't want to be there, you just did it for the paycheck. You're going to lose. The first shot you take is a knockout. I'm not getting up. That's it. You walk in there, you get shot, you get knocked down. Okay, I'm out. I didn't really want to be in here fighting Mike Tyson anyway. <laughs> was that you in CrossFit, David? You just like I never actually went to CrossFit. Yeah. I know I was honest with myself. I'm, I like to go at a pace I want to go at. Right, I'm building up to someday <laughs> jumping into CrossFit. But I have seen that, like in a jujitsu match. If you're like, I am exhausted, I'll tap from a choke that it's not actually choking me out, just because I don't want to be there. If you really, really, really want to win, you figure out a way to get through that problem. And that's like the, that's the passion that we're talking about. You're going to take L's. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to get hit in life. When you want it, you get back up, you get in the fight. And these are the people that you hear the success stories. When you just wanted the paycheck, you won't stick with it. I'm curious for people listening and watching right now who maybe this is their first time here hearing this show. Maybe they've been here for five years hearing you guys talk. Um, what are the top three approaches to real estate to dive into at this season of life that will pay dividends five, 10 years from now? And I think a lot of people get into it wanting to make quick money as opposed to thinking, I've got to have a meaningful mission that's beyond just quick money. If quick money comes, great. But what is the two or three approaches to real estate investing that you see that has worked in the past and will continue to work for the next five to 10 years with all the different economic challenges, wars happening with the great reset, with the, you know, changes that are going to happen, the 2020, uh, 2030 plan, all these different things. What are the three real estate strategies of investing today that will pay dividends in the future for people? Is it you know, flipping? Is it uh, buying uh, single properties? Is it duplexes? Is it quads? Is it buying apartment buildings? Is it, you know, what is this? Is it, uh, you know, Airbnb stuff? What is the top three things that most people can get into right now who are making about 80 to 130 grand a year of household income um, and doesn't have a ton of money right now, but maybe they could source money. What are those three things they could do moving forward if they're interested in this? So this ties in really well with your step three, your take massive, imperfect, imperfect action, right? Once you know the direction you're going to go in, 
start down that road. Uh, Rob, what are some of the things that you think are the hottest strategies for 2023? And that also are going to pay dividends for five to 10 years with everything happening, with all regulations, with changing of the laws, all that stuff. So this is pretty topical. It's something we've discussed quite a bit in the last month, I feel like. But in my opinion, the number one way to get into real estate that will absolutely pay dividends for 5, 10, 15, 20 years is house hacking and renting out a room or a space on your property to subsidize your mortgage. Because in my opinion, the faster you stop paying a mortgage, the faster you can use those funds to reinvest into other forms of real estate. I like it. And scene. Whew. All right, good one. Dave, what about you? House hacking is 100% the reason. And Lewis, you hit it on the head. As the market's heating up and interest rates are rising, we're not seeing a big drop in prices because there's so much competition for these assets. It's a very strong field. So the first thing I tell people is you have to get away from this idea that you're going to buy one house and make a bunch of money in year one. This has gone from a short-term game into the long-term game that real estate really meant to be. It's meant to be a long-term buy and hold thing. So you have to be thinking five years down the road, uh, how is it going to be doing? So understanding that, the first strategy is picking the right location. Okay, there's a very big difference between buying in Columbus, Ohio, where it's going to be the same price 10 years from now and what it is today, and buying in Austin, Texas, Miami, Florida, some of these markets where populations are moving into. And so it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not as crucial if it makes a ton of money right out the gate as you know it's going to over the next five years. Then you can combine that with house hacking, which allows you to put less money down, get a property, and you're not as beholden to a lot of the uh, like the regulations that are being put on short-term rental uh, owners because you own the house yourself and then combine that with short-term rental. So if you buy a house in a location that's going to blow up, you make it a primary residence, and then you rent out parts of that house as a short-term rental, you really get all the benefits of real estate investing without as much of the risk that you see a lot of people struggling with today. What if people are like, well, I like the idea, but I don't want people living in my home that aren't like my family. What would be the next strategy beyond that? Um, I always think that a multifamily, you know, I'm starting to become a big fan of this and like an entry level multifamily, something that's like, you know, two to 10 units because the cash flow from it on a long term rental, it's not going to be a ton, right? It's not going to be quit your job money, but the appreciation that you're going to get from that in five to 10 years, I think what could make you a lot of money, right? Like hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity and appreciation that you can cash out and you know use over and over again for the rest of your real estate investing career. Gotcha. I love it. All right, Lewis, you talk to experts a lot about what they see in terms of the bigger social and the economic trends that are going on. What insights can you share with us about what you see happening in 2023 in the business world as well as the economic world? Where do you see opportunity? Uh, I'm going to give you a, a counterintuitive answer. Um, I see opportunity and and mastering your emotions. From all these interviews that I've done, and I'll, and I'll get to why, from all these interviews I've done, uh, from therapists to doctors to world-class athletes to billionaires to brain surgeons to all of it, I, I usually ask people, what's the number one skill that anyone should develop to help them be greater? And most people comes back to mastering their emotions or managing them, having emotional regulation. So I think the greatest opportunity is acquiring more skills inward, is learning more about how to overcome your insecurities, your fears, your triggers, so that when things happen, a war happens, a pandemic happens, something happens, you actually go into peace, you go into abundance as opposed to scarcity and holding back. You actually expand into whatever opportunity is in front of you with courage as opposed to retreating. 
And I think that's something that, that happened to me in 2008 when the economy was going through everything. I was in kind of this phase for a year and a half, like just trying to figure it out. And I was in hoarding mode. Let me save what I have, which was nothing. Let me just like, you know, kind of keep it all together. And I remember saying, when this happens again, never ever again, am I going to want to feel this feeling of being broke or feeling scarce. And so I said for the, for the net from 2008 until 2020, I prepared myself emotionally for 2020 without knowing that's what was going to happen. And my business continued to expand over the last three years because I was expanding internally, emotionally, and I was working on emotional regulation. Um, one of the things that I talk about is really healing and mending the different things that cause you to be re reactive or scared or holding back and empowering yourself with whatever skill that is for you to be able to be ready because the next time something happens, 2023, 25, 27, uh, and things crash, are you going to pull back? Are you going to see the opportunity like you guys talk about and actually lean in and say, this is my opportunity. Now I'm going to take the risk. Now I'm going to jump in at the right timing. That's what I see. It's kind of a counterintuitive approach, but I feel like all the people I've interviewed uh, and even, you know, I've been to some very powerful masterminds in the last couple of months with some of the biggest names that you guys would know in this kind of industry. And behind the scenes, even some of them are doubting themselves at this stage. They've got all the money, they've got all the success, but they're like, well, now what do I do? And it's, it's like, go back to working on yourself. Go back to improving the emotions that hold you back. I think that will give you power anytime anything happens in culture, society, economic crashes, to act and seize the opportunity. So it really seems like the recurring thread here, just hearing your journey and your, your process, the idea of going from broke to millionaire really is mindset. And it's the ability to overcome just doubting that you can actually achieve what you want, right? I, I think it's mindset. And it's, again, I go back to this analogy. You have probably both met a lot of people who've made a million dollars and then either lost it or lost a lot of it. And it's hard for them to come back and bounce back because some people can break through to accomplishing the success of the millionaire status, of the multimillionaire status. But I've interviewed a lot of people who have fallen back and going bankrupt after doing that. What got them there, they forgot to keep breaking through mentally. They forgot to keep breaking through and sustaining the mindset. So they fell off the wagon and they lost it all. This is why I'm a big fan of having a coach or multiple coaches in business, having you guys as a coach for people, when they listen to you every week and they have you as mentors, guides, coaching them, you're encouraging, you're bringing wisdom, you're bringing lessons, and you're keeping people on track. But when we try to just do it all on our own, I think it's really hard. It's hard to make a million dollars on your own. It's hard to uh, invest on your own. Unless this is all you do and you obsess about it, it's really hard to sustain it at a great level. You know, we just witnessed, um, I don't know when you guys are airing this, but we just witnessed recently LeBron James breaking the all-time scoring record, right? Mm -hmm. And after his first championship, he didn't say, you know what? Thanks, coach. You got me here. I don't need a coach for next year. I think I can go win this championship on my own now. He didn't say that. He actually put millions of dollars a year into investing into more coaches, more experts to support him to stay at the top. 
And it's one of the reasons him, Jordan, and all these guys were able to sustain greatness and stay up there. That's why what you guys do is so important. And everyone needs to be listening. If you're investing in real estate, you want to invest in real estate, you need to listen to this show weekly to stay on top of what's happening. What are mistakes am I going to you know, make sure I avoid by listening? And, and how do I stay on top of mind? And how do I... I need the encouragement. I need the accountability. We need these things. And that's all part of mindset. All right. So the three steps to breaking down the process of how you went from broke to millionaire was identify your mindset, then identify your season or find your meaningful mission, right? The passion, the power, the problem to solve. It's, it can't just be, I want money. Yes. It has to be something deeper behind it. And then number three, take massive imperfect action, which is my favorite thing because perfection creates paralysis. Like no one ever does it. LeBron James still doesn't play perfect. No. This is a thing like, uh, this is such a good, a little quip I'll add before we move on. When you try to play a game perfectly, you focus on minimizing mistakes. And so if you never dribble, if you never shoot, if you never pass, if you never do anything, you could play a perfect game and out be, and be outperformed by the person who went out there and scored 50 points, but they missed some shots, they made some turnovers. They 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 uh, got beat on defense a couple times. When you're in the throes of the game, mistakes are going to happen. But you get paid by how many things you did right, not how many wrong things <laughs> exactly. that you avoided. Right? That mindset hurts people when they're like engineers specifically when they work in an industry that mistakes cause money, and then they try to get into entrepreneurship. Like money doesn't respect that. Money doesn't flow to people who make the least mistakes. It flows to people who take the most action. Exactly. And you think of like the greatest baseball players, 70% of the time they fail, right? They strike yep. out, they miss, they don't hit the ball. And um, if you're focused on failure, you can't get into flow. Oh, that's you good. cannot get into flow of whatever action you're doing if you're focused on failure. That's so good. If you're focused on success or if you're focused on the judgment of other people. And these are the three fears that cause us to doubt ourselves the most, whether it's investing, whether it's starting a career, launching a business, the fear of failure, success, and judgment. And when we when we get clear on identifying which one of that is for us. For me, I was never afraid of failure of success. I was crippled by judgment, the opinions of other people. What are they going to say when I make this investment? What if it doesn't work out? They're going to say, I told you so. You're an idiot. What would you think you were doing? You know, I'm sure a lot of people in real estate who've made a mistake and lost money for that year heard all those things from the people in their life that said, you should have invested in this. You should have done, you should have saved your money. You what were you thinking about starting this real estate dream of yours? That's crazy. And look at the results you created. You know, if you have that fear of the judgment of other people around you, friends, family, peers, of making the mistakes, then it will cripple you from actually taking action. Okay. And you cannot get in the flow if you're afraid of failure, success, or judgment. And that's why we got to learn to identify which one holds us back. And then we talk about how to break through that and overcome it. Perfectly said, my man. If people want to find out more about you or get your book, where can they go? The Greatest Mindset. They can get the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or you can follow me at Lewis Howes on social media or the School of Greatness podcast for more. And Rob, where can people find out more about you? You can find me on YouTube at Rob Built, R-O-B-U-I-L-T. Same thing on Instagram. And uh, what about you, Dave? I am David Green 24, the most boring handle of everybody <laughs> here. Uh, you can find me on all social media there. Lewis, my last question for you before we let you get out of here. If my goal for 2023 is to grow a head of hair like yours, what's the first thing that I can do? Oh, man, just uh, implants, man. You know, just do yeah. implant therapy <laughs> and you got the head of hair, man. I'm sure you got enough back hair 
to just pluck <laughs> it and put it up on top of the head right there. You know what I'm saying? Two birds with one stone. But that's going to take you from millionaire to broke. That's the only catch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it, man. It was great to see you as always. Hopefully that book does well and we have you back on. Appreciate you guys. This is David Green for Rob, the comedian Abasolo, signing off. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.